0: thank you, Ed, and praise team. And isn't it good just to be here to worship together? Oh, my goodness. I mean, a little over a year ago that we were, uh, because of the pandemic, I realized we we're still in a pandemic, but um, just blessed to be here, to be here with you guys and be able to share God's word with you. And we'll be in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Uh, I had I'd served with, a, with an older fella. I mean, older, he's in his 80s. I can say older. Older. Um, and of all my friends from former churches, he texts me almost the most. And he'd been wrestling with COVID, uh, been in and out of the hospital several times. And he just got out uh, yesterday and he texted me, hey, out of the hospital, heard your preaching. He said three things, you know, older folks, they tell you what's up. So uh, he says, preach loud, preach slow, and preach the cross. <laughs> I said, no. I get it and no. I was like, yes, I'll do my absolute best for it, so it is an honor to be here and try to accomplish those three things. Uh, as a way of introduction, as you're turning to Philippians chapter two, uh, I had the opportunity to go to Malawi, Africa, uh, help lead a team in June, uh, going to the poorest of the poor to present the gospel. Right around day three and four, we had the opportunity um, that there is a village beyond the river. The only way to get to this village who's not heard of Christ is to go on a boat, boat, cross a river, Share them the gospel. So it was put it to us like this. Like, but there is a church that's on this side of the river. If you go there and you see the river and you don't feel comfortable with it, you can stay on this side and do lots of good ministry and work. So as we pulled up, this is what we saw. My son said, is that a casket? I said, No, I think it's a boat, but it might be both, you know. We all went over the river. Hey, we, hey look, we could have done good ministry on this side. Crossing the river and uh, talk to the translators. They always try to make you feel good about stuff. I was like, "Are there snakes here?" My translator was like, "No, no. I'll ask the boatman. Many snakes here." I was <laughs> <It's> like, "Okay." <laughs> also, hippo and crocodile. I said, "Oh my goodness!" You know, cross the river, walk miles, do ministry. God ordained it. It was wonderful. It was beautiful. Well, got me thinking. Now we we could have stayed on this side of the river and done some pretty good ministry. Can I just say that God has used Rock Hill now, today, and in the past in some pretty profound ways. We have this really neat dance that we do. We praise God for what he is currently doing and what he has done. But sometimes past victories can hinder us from going across the river. Across the river is danger uncertainty, and hard times. In Philippians chapter 2, the idea of crossing the river is emptying more of yourself, serving, more humbleness, death, but it's together and it's for his glory. So as good as God has been, and he has been so overwhelming to the folks of Rock Hill. Guys, there is a river that I think a lot of us, if we're honest, we have stopped from crossing. We have just rejoiced in what God has done. Amen. Hallelujah twice. But for a lot of us, guys, there is a river to cross. In context, Philippians chapter 1, Paul says, you know, to, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He's convinced that he's staying here he talks about the idea of, of living for the gospel, of suffering and conflict. we just say in the middle of spiritual conflict, God is using the folks of Rock Hill? He really is. This is not a yay us thing. And, and I'm going to name some names. I'm not trying to embarrass folks or anything like that. But this is just an observation, a, a, a drop in the bucket to what God has done. Do you even know Ronnie and Carol Yaber? Praise God. And it is a, hey, and this is a, a, now look, this is not, thank you, Jesus, for what you do in my life. God uses you. I think about the teachers that God has raised up in Rock Hill Sunday school teachers, group leaders, children's workers. I think about the expo and what God did, and two things really stand out: is this idea of the excellence that was done, but also the volunteers. With joy, with joy, I got to see folks by God's grace, like Bruce Cougar, Steve Barksdale, even Rich Dyer, with joy, emptying trash. This is a praise God for what he's done in and through us. This is not a yay them, it's a yay him. We could go on and on and on. I got into that trash once, once. I didn't go back. <laughs> there was milk in there. I was talking to Ed. I was like, where did this milk come from? Because we didn't serve no milk, brother. <laughs> we could go on and on. For what God has done. But there's a river to cross. There's more to do. So if we stop just for a moment and take in the air of the grace that God has given the folks of Rock Hill, this is the way Paul talks about it. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in spirit, any affection and sympathy, So these are rhetorical questions that are to be answered in the affirmative, yes, 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 yes. Let's go through them briefly. Encouragement in Christ. This is is the idea that it carries. Has Christ ever come alongside of you to comfort you in your time of need? Has there ever been a moment in your life where the crucified Christ in his grace says, I am with you to the end? loss of job loss of family member loss of finances and ours precious christ says i will never leave you or forsake you anybody to this we say praise god comfort from love this carries the idea of close relationship while giving love has god ever been close to you and given you love agape love you did not deserve you ever found yourself in the middle of spiritual bankruptcy to see that your precious God did not turn his back on you because he did his son? Number three, participation in the spirit. The Holy Spirit close and active in your life. Has the Holy Spirit ever led you, convicted you, moved in your life? The Holy Spirit has endured me for 46 years and he refuses to go away. And I've done a million things to drive from there. But he says, no, because I love you, I will not leave. Any affection and sympathy, this idea of deep emotions and mercies, has the God of the universe been affectionate and merciful to you? If you're in Christ, we all dance on these things. My concern, there are some folks in here, you know what? You don't know Christ, you don't know his mercies. So Paul asks all these questions. Yes, 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 and yes. We praise God for all these things, but there is still a river to cross. Well, he says it, but make my joy complete. Let's praise God for what he's done, what he is doing. But look, there is still a river to cross. That Some of us have kind of built our little town and village. And it's like, I know it's scary to go over. I do. I get that. This is the way Jesus says what's coming next. John 17, 21. That they may be, that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Oh, my goodness. Do you know what Paul is going to get at if we're crossing the river? Us to be as close as he is with the Father. That makes God look glorious. Imagine our triune God since before creation. The Father displays his holiness to the son. And the son is like, father, I love your holiness. When you display it, I love it, I love it. And then the son displays his righteousness to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sees the son and says, I love your righteousness. The Holy Spirit displays his awesomeness. And the father says, I love your awesomeness. Imagine since eternity past, our triune perfect God displaying himself to himself in all satisfying. So then they say, what he says, Let us make man in our image because we are way too good to keep to ourselves. So he makes man that we would know him and enjoy him forever. That is the chief end in man. And whenever we are unified together by the power of the spirit, it makes our triune, glorious, weighty, awesome, holy God look that more precious And whenever we try to reach a world when me and you are not together, do you see our world coming undone? My goodness. This is where he starts. To make my joy complete by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord... And in one mind. This is the goal. This is the cross in the river that he has for us. So being in the same mind. So whose mind? My mind? Your mind? His. Christ, this is his church, his people. And not mine. It ain't yours. It's his. Belongs to him. This idea of setting our minds on things above instead of earthly things. Having the one mind is the goal. Christ mind. Number two, having the same love. Having the same love. It's the idea of choosing to love. It's the word agape. There's a decision involved in this. Because not all people are created equal. There are some folks that you really got to choose to love, right? I'm just being honest. Of what, it is glorious to love someone who is very, very lovable in the body. That makes God look glorious. But to love someone who's not all that lovable, having the same mind, having the same love. Also, you get the idea there's got to be a certain amount of closeness involved in this. You can't really love the guy that's far from you. Can you? You can display love, obviously, but this idea of being close is connected with these things. Same mind, same love, being in one accord. It is the idea that Christ unites us, nothing else does. Nothing else does. Not political parties, not masks, not no masks, not vaccine, not no vaccine, not sports, not skin, not gender, nothing. But Christ pulls us together. He is glorified whenever me and you are united in him, under him, and not our political affiliation. You ever seen a Calvinist and Arminian in the same group loving Christ together? Glory. It can be done. Not often, but it can be done. Being in one accord. Having the same mind. Having the same love. And then he says, again, have one mind or one purpose. Our purpose and our goal is his glory, his kingdom, not ours. Our life, our souls, if we're in him... Belong to him. They are not ours. Across the river, one mind, same love, being in full accord and one purpose. So how is this done? How is this done? So he goes through the next parts of the verse and basically he describes how you can accomplish by God's grace these realities. Verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. So he gives three things that we can do to accomplish the four things that he has for us. You got it? Number one, don't even think about selfish ambitions or conceit. The way the Greek is said, don't even think, don't even let it come into your mind, the idea of selfish ambition. Selfish ambition lends itself to this you tear people down so you can feel built up. You ever played that game? Imagine a church that God is glorified in whenever we're united. Tearing each other down to make themselves feel better about who they are. As if we need that. We have Christ. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. You have not experienced Christian community unless you've had the opportunity to forgive a brother or sister. It does not make God look glorious. When we compare ourselves to other people, tear them down and feel good about ourselves. This comparison game has got to stop inside the church. You can be a strong, awesome, Holy Spirit church. You start to not be unified and tear each other apart. I know what this is like. I was telling the staff one time, I had one of the best. Uh, prayer opportunities. I, one time I was down front in the prayer service and two couples, two, I'm sorry, one couple, two people came up. That chance to pray over them. It was, it, it was encouragement. They, were just, they needed some encouragement. Got to pray with them, talk to them. It was wonderful. They left and I told the staff later. I was like, it was the best. I was like, why? Both of the, they were adults, by the way. They were both shorter than me. <laughs> I kid you not. As I was praying for, and I wasn't on the stage. Thank you very much. Thank you. I literally was praying, and it was a Holy Spirit moment. I'm not trying to, you know what I mean, don't read too much into this. I literally was praying over them. I had hands on shoulders, and I was praying for them, and I just thought, Lord, is this what it's like for everyone else? (laughs) And I felt better about me. Came into staff meetings, like, boys, God's at work, you know what I mean? We ought not tear people down to build ourselves up. We don't need that. We have Christ. You'll see that the focus of the text here. Was Christ not torn down enough? We don't need that anymore, do we? Conceit. The word here is empty conceit. It speaks of an overinflated view of yourself. <laughs> My goodness. So our, our, uh, in our science world, you know that we're called homo sapiens? Wise man. But they've actually edited that. Now we're homo sapiens sapien. Wise, wise man. Oh, we have a high view of ourselves, don't we? Overheard a lady one time asking another person. It's not, not Rock Hill, but um, about going. They said, hey, I'd like to go to your church. Tell me about it. The lady was like, oh, it's great, man. God's doing this and this. But this area is terrible and it's awful and it's horrible. And they, she said... They should put me in charge. I'd do it better. That is nothing but empty conceit that does not make our risen Christ look glorious at all. He says, don't even have a thought of these things, of tearing down so you could build up, or having an overinflated view of yourself. So you want to be one mind, same love, full accord, One purpose, don't even think about selfish ambition or conceit. Next. He says, in humility count others as more important than yourself. This is interesting because the way it's built is don't treat other people but actually believe it. Do you actually truly believe that you, right, if if I'm looking at James, that James is more important than me. Do I believe that when I wake up in the morning? This is almost impossible. It is impossible outside of Christ, right? Last week, or two weeks ago, it's been a long couple years, right? So a couple weeks ago, um, we had a homeless fellow outside in our, like, on the concrete outside in front of the big doors, I didn't even know about it, and and, uh, went outside with, Got some food for him and stuff, and he was laying there. Let me tell you what. It was 100 degrees outside in the shade, laying on concrete, and this cat was sleeping like a champ. I thought, "Guy's at peace. (laughs) You know what I mean? I don't don't sleep that well. And and I was looking at him. This is where this matters. Do I look at this guy who's homeless, coming out of a drug-induced state, saying this guy on the ground is more important than me? He's more important than my car. He's more important than my house. He's more important than my money. This guy's made in the image of God. He is more important than me. It is impossible to get there without the mind of Christ. It is impossible. So if we want to have one mind, have the same love, being in full accord, having one purpose, and we can't even think about selfish ambition or conceit, in each humility, think about others as more important than ourselves. Lastly, Is look to others' interests as well as your own. I mean, we're told to take care of our business, right? To not to be a burden on on, on other people. That's very important. But also look out for the interests of others as well as our own. This is the greatest context, I think, in this passage for the idea of being part of a group. If you really, now look, I haven't talked to Michael Harvey. I don't want this to be just like some group promo or something like that. But I, I can't get away from this. If you really want to know the interest of others, you really want to know and be known, there's no greater context in our church than being part of a group. Remember whenever Snowmageddon happened? It's like there was a guy at a switch. It's like I think Chandler's had about enough power. And so we were out. We weren't out like some of you folks. I think we were out for like a full day. And uh, I've had the privilege over the last year and a half or so being part of Jim Melissa Hughes' home group. And uh, so we didn't have a fireplace or anything like that, but we really were fine. You know, we were warm. And so Jim and them had found out that we were without power and they had power. Looking at the interest of me and my family, he says, I'm coming to get you. Got in his big old truck, full wheel drive, came, picked me up, picked my wife up, my kids, and my dog. Look out for the interests of others as well as your own. To live like that makes God look glorious. You want to have one mind, same love, full accord, one purpose? Then don't even think about selfish ambition or conceit. In humility, believe that others are more important than yourself, and look to the interests of others as well as yourself. Now, look observation. You cannot fully accomplish God's will in its perfection without other people. Is God unclear? Is the spirit unclear? Is by the power of God's grace unclear about us needing one another at all? No. If I want and you want to experience the full power and grace of God, I have to have other people in my life, namely the church. And guys, Sunday morning is the centerpiece of what happens. Absolutely. When Pastor Michael preaches, absolutely. But by itself, it's not enough. Think about Adam. Adam was, I almost said born, created. When Adam was created, he had a sinless, intimate, one-on-one, close, unfollowing relationship with God and what did God say about it it is not good for you to be alone we have to have other people because this awesome triune God is glorified whenever we are one the time we have left he moves on to our motivation and our example which is Christ himself Christ himself There is no example I could come up with or illustration I could find, read, to even come close to describing the depths of which our glorious Christ has come down to save us. There's nothing. There's no um, servant or exercise or trash pickup or prayer or anything that will ever come close to what he did for us. He is awesome in all ways, perfect in all ways, glorious and weighty, and yet he comes here for us. So, having this mind among yourselves, which is in yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a slave, being born. In the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly exalted and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is our supreme example and motivation of accomplishing the impossible. If he could descend from heaven to take the form of a man. So the form of God literally means Jesus is God. He is God. He is God. He is God. He possesses all possible power, all possible knowledge, all possible knowledge and can be anywhere at all times. He is God. And did not count equality as something to be grasped, didn't take advantage of it. But yet he's still God. He became fully man and fully God. Think about this. One person of the Trinity descended so far on earth to become fully man and fully God forever. And while he was on earth, he didn't take advantage of his glory. He he veiled his glory and some of his prestige. Think about it. Whenever he was in the wilderness for 40 days... Satan said, turn those stones into bread. No. But when it came to serving other people, like 5,000, what did he do? He exercised his glory for other people. He emptied himself. Took the form of a servant, but he's still God, being found in human likeness, found publicly in human form, fully God, fully man. This... Imagine what heaven thought the angels saw when God becomes man publicly for the universe to see. Listen, if the great God of the universe can take the form of a man, I think we can serve one another. I really do. I think we can, I think we can do about anything in the universe that God calls us to do. I really do. If we had the mind of Christ... Cross the river. Do what God's called you to do. He humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Oh, my goodness. The shame and pain associated with the cross. Our great God in heaven, triune, sun comes down in humility and emptiness and goes to the cross. The shame, the whipping, the mockery, the pain, the nails... Galatians curses everything that hangs on a tree. Like trash, they put our Savior on a tree to be mocked and ridiculed. And yet, we gotta tear each other down. There is nothing that can, I think, even help appropriate the idea of the God of the universe on a cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him, gave him a name that is above every name. So, how can God have a greater name than God? He's God before. So, I think what he's getting at. God was creator before Genesis chapter 1, right? God creator. But we didn't see his creative side until Genesis 1, right? He got creative. What's this? In this great display of his holiness, creativity, creation, he decides to display his grace in the person of his son on a cross for evil and wicked men, us type sinners. And God displays his son to show you that whatever happens in your life, God is gracious. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is not salvific language, folks. This is a reference to the day of Christ when he returns and sets up his eternal kingdom. But then listen to me. Salvation door has been shut, friend. No more opportunity for evangelism after this. Christ in his supreme, glorious, weighty reign will start. Between now and then, we get the opportunity to live in one mind, one love, one purpose. Do you see it? To make God look glorious. It's been said before that, and it's hard to know if this is necessarily uh, really what happened, but part of this is true. And uh, the early church was really... Uh, Lots of females in the early church. As you move forward with it, it's not run by females, but predominantly a lot of females were there. And one of the reasons why they think maybe that is the case, that in the early Roman years, um, it was basically their their view of, or their way of abortion, basically. It was always baby girls. If they didn't want the baby girls, they would take them to the heaps. They would throw them out. These heaps of babies, little baby girls. Do you know who came by the heaps? Sex traffickers? Followers of Christ. We have spiritual heaps all around us. There are Brownsboro Middle School and Brownsboro High School. They're in my family. There are Brookshires. We have spiritual heaps everywhere of lost people. They will know the value of of the cross of Christ when we are one, one in mind and love and accord and purpose. That makes our triune God look real. It testifies to his grace and his greatness. So if we really wanna reach the heaps, obviously we must share the gospel, but part of living that out is that we must be kind and in the same purpose and same mind with one another. That absolutely has to be true. As our world comes undone, they will look more and more at the church. How in the world do we all connect together? Our gracious, crucified, glorious Christ is why. So his way of closing. Our closeness shows the world how valuable he is. Maybe there's something in the idea of just confessing your mindset. Your mindset has been about you. It's been about me. It's not been about him. But I just encourage you. I want to pray in one moment that you respond. Whoever God leads you to respond. Whether it's prayer for lost folks. Praise for who he is. A recommitment to be closer to people. To be unified. To be honest. Let me pray for us. And you just respond... How God, lead you to respond. Holy Father, we, uh, we come humbly before you. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for all that you've done in and through the people of Rock Hill. And we rejoice, Father. We rejoice. But we also know, Father, that, Lord, there's still more work to be done. There's more things to do. Namely, that we would follow your example and we would empty ourselves and humble ourselves. God, that we would. Uh, not even think about being conceited. Not even think about selfish ambitions. God, please have mercy on us, God. That we'd be one mind. We'd have the mind of Christ. That we'd have one purpose, be in one accord. They have the same love, Father God. I pray this would be true, and help us to do this, because we can't do it on our own. Can't do any of it, Father. We thank you for what you've done by your will the blood of the Son, and by the power of the Spirit, in Jesus' name.